Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. Think about, again, back to those goals and, and what I want to accomplish. And and that's really, I think, what, what gets me through those those times when my body is aching and sore and I've been working out for weeks straight without a break and um, I'm just ready to throw in the towel. And then it's like, no, I have to be willing to do what other people aren't to yeah. get to the place where I want to be. This podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code MENTALTOUGHNESS at INEEDSOS com. This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to getsome.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-M.com. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed. And it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And in fact, you go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, you get 10% off. I guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. So our guest today on 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, you're definitely going to like this guest because she is a professional volleyball player, grew up in a volleyball family. And as all volleyball families go, I mean, it's, it's the pulse of, of what happened. She, she basically played at, uh, at the University of Kentucky, and this is her third year professional volleyball. She's played in Germany, she's played in Sweden, and has played in Switzerland, has a brand new team this year. Excited about this interview. This is Morgan Bergen. Morgan, how are you? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So since I know nothing about professional volleyball, uh, except what we see on TV, can you start out though with, with mental toughness? I mean, what, what is mental toughness to you? Um, so I loved what you wrote in your book about no one gets there alone, um, well, just you. about everyone's an athlete. And um, I like that because I think that mental toughness is not only important um, on the court or on the playing field, um, but also in just the everyday, ordinary life. Um, and so for me, mental toughness has a few different definitions. Um, and so the first one, when I started to think about mental toughness, like my mind automatically went to the word tough and it went to the volleyball court. And um, I just started to think about, you know, all of those times when like I just wanted to quit or I wanted to take a rep off, um, but I didn't. I kept pushing through um, because 
I remembered in the back of my mind those goals that I wanted to accomplish and um, and then th and that's what kept me going and now looking looking back and now where I am um, as a professional volleyball player um, and just looking at all the things that I have accomplished and that I have pushed through um, but now it's just a different world being in the pro world um, because it's a nine-month season we have two days um, almost every day and it's grueling and it's hard and it's tough um, and so often when I come home for the summer I want to take the whole summer off and I want to just relax and spend time with family and do the fun things that I didn't get to do while I was overseas working um, but then it clicks in and I remember how badly um, I want to make it into the national team gym and so for me yes I take a couple weeks off in the summer but you know, I have to just think about, again, back to those goals and, and what I want to accomplish. And and that's really, I think, what, what gets me through those those times when my body is aching and sore and I've been working out for weeks straight without a break and um, I'm just ready to throw in the towel. And then it's like, no, I have to be willing to do what other people aren't to yeah. get to the place where I want to be. And is that a conversation that you have like inside your head? Like, what, what do you say to yourself to keep going and push through that? Um, yeah, it is the conversation. I actually just had it yesterday when I was working out. Um, my legs were dead tired. I just was done. I wanted to quit. Um, and then, you know, I don't know. I just think that there's some aspect where you just, you just can push more. Like, and so, um, yeah, I had that conversation where, no, Morgan, like, it's not, you're not quitting. Like, you're going to finish this minute round. You're going to get through this. You're going to live. And this one minute is one minute closer to your goal. Um, and so for me, that's kind of the thought process. And that's how I have to attack yeah. it and remember. How does it work with mental toughness when it comes to, like, the team? Because with a, I mean, especially with the sport of volleyball, I mean, you all have to be working together in right. unison. How do you right. think mental toughness comes to play when, you know, in the actual sports team environment? Yeah, um, I think that's huge, and I think that comes to um, this kind of, let's say, mental toughness is like a muscle, and exercising that, and um, like in practice, doing doing the reps the right way, and um, not cheating yourself, and, and holding your teammates accountable. I think that starts in practice, and then. Um, once you're in the game setting, I mean, you could be up five points, ten points, or you could be down five points or ten points, and just um, just not allowing that to to overcome um, just the whole team dynamic, and um, yeah, just pushing pushing through that and holding your teammates accountable. Yeah. So. When you're getting ready to head back overseas, I mean, what is something about professional volleyball that that we don't know about that you think is important? Um, I think it's important to for people to know that it is a job, um, and it is. It's a wonderful job, um, and it doesn't feel like work to me, but it, it is a job, and it's a full-time job. I mean, we get hired to go play and make a team better and we're expected to give a hundred percent of everything that we have 
and usually that means twice a day. So we do, um, I know on this last team that I was on, we had a midday either practice or lift, and then we'd have a couple hour break, and then we'd be back in the gym in the evening. Um, and so, so those days where we were in the gym, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't much time for anything else except to wake up and eat, to go train, to eat again, maybe take a little rest, and then train again, and you're doing it all over the next day. Um, we did have like one, maybe two days off if we got lucky, and that's when we would like rejuvenate or um, kind of explore a little bit, because I mean, it is such a blessing to be able to play in another country, and um, just so much of the world that's unexplored by me and I want to see as much of it as I can yeah. so so as much as, as it is work it is it is a very awesome opportunity as well so when you're getting ready to go what's the new team that you're getting ready to join um VC Wiesbaden it's okay. in Germany so brand new team mm -hmm. you know you've been a part of a lot of teams like throughout your life what's it like getting ready to go and, and join that new team I mean what's that what's that whole feeling like um it's it's pretty scary at the start, you know, um, for me, I just have to pray a lot um, because there are so many unknowns that come with that. And I mean, I've never met any of these people that I'm about to play with for nine months, to live with for nine months, to um, work alongside. And so it's all of that. Plus it's the cultural aspect. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like to live in Germany. I don't know. Um, how many other Americans are going to be there? I don't know if I'm going. How much German I need to learn? Um, if most people will be English speakers or um, just all of that. And so, just yeah, the unknowns is it's it's a lot, but um, it's also very exciting for me too because I know that that's just more people that I get to come in contact with and get to know, and um, another culture that I get to. Um, kind of be immersed in and get to know more about as well. So yeah. it is exciting. That is neat. Because I guess then the common language, then it always boils down to the sport of volleyball and mm -hmm. you exactly. know what you're doing there. Yep, yep. <laughs> you, um, you mentioned uh, like prayer. What, when, when it comes to faith, and I know your, your faith is a big part of your life, how does that drive and how does that influence you know, what you do in life, but then also your professional volleyball career? Yeah, so faith is huge to me, um, and one thing, so um, I guess it, it became a really big thing for me my senior year of college, and so that was something that I kind of missed the boat on um, through collegiate volleyball, and so when I started that faith journey um, after my collegiate career ended, I realized that um, that I wanted professional volleyball to look a little bit differently. And that's kind of my other my other side of mental toughness. I think like the softer side um, is just to recognize that it's not always about the nitty gritty on the volleyball court, that um, it's almost forcing myself to take a deep breath and just remember that my purpose here on earth is bigger than just myself and it's bigger than volleyball. Um, and so, I try to take that with me everywhere I go, um, and one thing that helped me through that a lot was um, going on a trip to Thailand last year with the Athletes in Action volleyball team, and um, 
for me that was just learning a lot about how do I give God the glory in something that I feel like is mine and that I have control over. Um, and how, that do you, was, how do you do that? that? Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. How do you do that? That was that was that was a tough piece. Um, and and for me, it was just learning how to open up that space. Um, and allow God to come into that. And one of the sayings that we learned um, through that that training was AO1, which means audience of one. Mm-hmm. And um, just to recognizing that volleyball is a gift and it's a gift from God. And it's not something that um, I should look down upon or take for granted. Like um, I would always get frustrated when like I would meet people that were so good at so many different things. And I'm like, dang it, I'm only good at volleyball. But now I can look at it and be like, wow, I'm really good at volleyball. And that's really a gift. And that's something to be proud of. Um, but that's also something where I have to remember that volleyball is what I do. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's been, that's been a big piece for me is like how... If volleyball was taken away from me today, like would I would I survive? Would I be okay? And for me, the answer is yes because I know it's not the end all be all. Um, I know that that my life beyond volleyball is so much greater than that and has more of a purpose um, than just what I do on the volleyball court. But at the same time, like that just gives me so much more drive to um, just leave it all out there and just give it all I have and. We, we talked a lot about on that trip to Thailand, um, just about playing to worship, like playing to give thanks, like you're thankful for what you have and your abilities and what you can do with that. And so for me, that's a big piece of it too. Mm-hmm. One of the pieces that we we'll always talk about on this podcast is hinge moments. So the one moment, one event that changed your life. Mm-hmm. Um, even though sometimes we don't know it when it happens until later on. Can you share your hinge moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, I know this kind of sounds silly, but there might kind of be three little pieces that go together in this hinge moment. Um, I think the, the very first one is kind of this epiphany or vision that I had um, my freshman summer at Kentucky. Um, I didn't know anything about professional volleyball, but I knew that the United States had a national team that played in the Olympics and they were playing that summer um, in the Olympics and I was just doing my everyday thing and all of a sudden I was like, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. That's my goal. That's my dream. And I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what that looked like. All I knew was that after college, I wanted to continue to play, and that had never been a thought in my mind before. So you're a 14 year old girl that never thought, not until you got to college and you saw that. Yeah. So never before had okay. even thought about going professional or playing post college. Like that was never a thought in my mind until that summer at UK. Very cool. Yeah. So okay. then, um, I guess like the next piece of that would be then when this faith journey started and fully believing and trusting in God and seeing the ways that he was working um, volleyball into my life and um, then recognizing again, like I said earlier, that volleyball was a gift and that this is something that he had given me and that he purposefully 
placed that that dream and that vision on my heart and that was something that I wanted to chase after. And speaking of chase, I think the third piece to this is um, a book that my dad gave me right before I left for Switzerland and it's called Chase the Lion, um, written by Mark Batterson. And I was just kind of in a place where I was really uncertain with where this whole volleyball thing was going. Um, I knew that I still had this dream and this this goal in the back of my head, but I still, I was playing professional volleyball, but I still didn't know if that was even in reach. For me, it was this thing that was like out in the stars. Like I didn't even know how to get there. I didn't know what to do. And reading this book, I mean, it just like rocked my world. And I mean, there are so many good books out there, but I just, I, I believe that sometimes there's just like one thing that you need at just the right time. And for me, it was this book, and um, its mantra on the front is, "If your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small." Mm -hmm. And so that just like got me going, and um, I had had the the heart and the courage to actually send an email to the head coach of the national team, um, and nothing came about it as of now. But um, I just I believe that that something will happen, and and I I think that that those three things together is my hinge moment. Yeah, excellent. So if you can share, so what happened in college? Why did faith take hold then? Um, so I kind of grew up knowing who God was, grew mm -hmm. up going to church, um, but didn't really have like the, the personal relationship with God and um, didn't really understand what that was all about. And, um, so I had like at my between my sophomore and junior year, um, I had committed my life to Christ through baptism. Mm -hmm. um, but that still didn't really take hold. It didn't really take effect into my life. And then um, uh, my senior year, our my collegiate career ended earlier than than I expected than I wanted it to. We lost in the first round of the NCAA tournaments tournament it was a real heartbreaker mm -hmm. um a guy that i had dated all through college had just broken up with me over before the game break. i'm sorry before the game oh no no this is after so oh, like okay. this is like the series of events sure, so sure. collegiate career ended guy broke up with me um and over christmas break and i was going back to live in a one-bedroom apartment at kentucky no volleyball all of my friends had graduated i felt so alone so lost um mm -hmm. And that's kind of when God took my hand and said, you're not alone. And, um, and just opened my world to a whole new group of people and, um, fellow believers and Christians and people that were there to comfort me and speak truth into my life. And, um, just from then on, I just dedicated to living my life for, for God. And, um, and that's, that's kind of where Did you when you mentioned God taking your hand, and, and did you hear an audible voice? What happened? Um, yeah, so I was, it was like a day or two before I was getting ready to go back to Kentucky um, for my last semester there. And, and stay in school, graduate. Yep, yep. yep. Okay. So, um, and I never had really opened my Bible willingly before. Um, I'd had some people talk to me. I had a really awesome girl 
at Kentucky actually give me a Bible, um, but never had willingly opened it. And the same girl that gave me a Bible also gave me a, a devotional for the book of Luke. And I, yeah, I guess I just had something overcome me. Um, looking back at it now, I believe it's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's like, Morgan, you need to open your Bible, open this devotional. And so I did. I was, I was a bawling mess, like did not want to go back to school. Um, and I sat at my kitchen table, opened my Bible, opened this devotional, and it was all about the overwhelming peace of that God provides. And that was, that was all I needed. That was, that was my hinge moment for my faith. Wow. <laughs> that was what I needed to, to get through and to, to go back to Kentucky knowing that everything was going to be okay. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Thank you. Well, I always think, you know, I think everybody has their own story and their own journey. So that's why I kind of ask about that. Cause what was that whole experience like, you know, and sure. I think sometimes when believers only feel being, you know, pulled by the Holy spirit or overcome by the Holy spirit, that that's an actual, uh, that's an actual thing that actually happens. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that the reason, another reason why I want to do this interview was, um, in this, uh, professional world that you're in, you come back home for a couple months, but you've adapted a minimalist lifestyle, mm -hmm. which I always find fascinating. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I get to take two bags of 50 pounds over with me. Mm -hmm. And basically that's all I have when I go over there and I don't buy a whole lot. And so for me, living the minimalist lifestyle with just like based off of materialistic things, um, that's such a new thing for me because growing up, I mean, I just like to keep everything. I like to go shopping and I've just accumulating so much stuff over the years. And I still live in um, my parents' home in the summers when I come, when I come back and um, every time that I've come home, I'm just completely overwhelmed by the amount of crap that is in my room. Mm -hmm. And this summer I finally had enough. Um, I came home and I purged like my whole room, all my whole closet, all my shoes, everything. I just got rid of a ton of stuff, um, and felt so much better about it. Still have way too much stuff, but I think for me, it's just, um, learning that you can live simply and it's, you don't, there's so many wants and I think for me, I pay more attention to my wants than my needs. And mm -hmm. so that's one thing that I'm, I'm trying to really work on and haven't fully grasped yet, but is that like, I don't need all of this stuff. I don't need all of this clutter. What I do need is to maybe give financially to a ministry or to give my time to someone who needs my help. Um, and so that's a big thing that I'm really starting to dive into and trying to learn more about and learn about myself more through that. Um, and I think another piece of it too is the mental side of it too. Mm -hmm. How do you live minimally mentally? And, um, I read a book, it's called Tuesdays with Maury, mm -hmm. and they, they hit on, um, he hits on in that book that it is okay to fully 
acknowledge and fully live in your emotions. Um, but then once you do that, to detach from it. And I think too often, especially for me, um, I'm overthinking or I let things stick around too long in my head and it just get a lot of clutter up there. And instead of just allowing something to happen, recognizing it and letting go of it. Um, and I think today in our society with anxiety and um, all of that, which I don't experience that personally a ton, um, but I think that that's something that's so big of, is just trying to declutter your brain, taking mm -hmm. a minute, whether it's to meditate or to just relax and shut it off or to pray or whatever your means may be. Um, but I think that's something that's really been really huge in my life as a professional athlete is I've got to be on top of my game and we're talk this whole talk is about mental toughness and I mean you can train as hard as you want to physically but if, if the mental aspect isn't there then then I think you're missing something and so um, I think like you said like I mentioned earlier I think we're all athletes and um, totally agree with you on that one and I think in every aspect of our life like we just got to kind of hit the pause button and kind of detach. Yeah. So when you take your two suitcases over and so, I mean, if you're out, you know, with your teammates, you come across something that's nice. I mean, do you buy it or do you have to exercise discipline and, and not buy it at all? I mean, how does that, how does that play out? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of discipline. Um, and it's not too hard because <laughs> I know that I can only come home with two suitcases and I know any more than that, it's a lot of extra money to try to get that sure. stuff home. Um, I have been fortunate enough, I had to buy a, quite a few things for my room in Switzerland and I was fortunate enough to have a teammate that let me keep some of that in storage. Um, so that has been nice as well, but I mean, there were a lot of times where I just had to so window shop or yeah pack. so it's really so it's not even kind of an option for you I mean, that's that's removed right. exactly yeah i'd have to stick to my guns okay because and, and it was interesting you said that like sometimes we live according to our wants rather than needs i remember joyce meyer said uh you know pray for what you need not mm -hmm. for what you want and that's a pretty mm -hmm. bold prayer when we think about that yeah. because god will provide our needs but not always our wants absolutely Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by that too. I mean, with, um, I mean, do you find yourself then, you know, when you practice that discipline and minimalist lifestyle, um, I mean, do you, do you find yourself then like pulled in different directions to, to help out other people? Yeah. Um, that is something that I've really tried to work on a lot these past couple of years um, is just to give, um, whether that's give of money, give of time. Um, and so when I am disciplined and I can set money aside to give back to like the ministries of um, like the people that have helped me through Athletes in Action mm -hmm. or crew or my church back home, um, or a friend um, that I met in Ethiopia is in need of a computer. Um, and so for me, that allows me to then not focus so much on myself, but to help focus on others. So I'm by no means perfect. Uh, still struggle with that, it's still a battle. Sure. But it's something that I, I am trying to be more conscious of and try to 
practice a little bit more. I always say once we focus on others, it gets us out of our own head. Yeah, absolutely. Fully agree with that. There was a good quote that I've always hung on to, but the stuff we own ends up owning us. Mm. Um, yep. So that's fascinating when you come home, just kind of purge. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we all die at some point. And I feel like for me, one of the biggest things is um, just making memories and doing, doing things instead of buying things. Mm -hmm. um, because once we're gone, none of this stuff that's here, that's around me, that's materialistic, none of that matters. What matters is um, how I lived my life and um, what I did for others and um, just the memories that were made. So yeah. experience though. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too, because I, I guess when I'm thinking about it, like we do become attached to things mm -hmm. and you're kind of equating that also with the mental game like we can become attached to certain events where the discipline from the minimalist lifestyle is to not become really attached to anything. Is that, is that about right? Kind of. Um, I wouldn't say not attached. I would just, I mean, he, like when I'm referenced the Tuesdays with Maury book, yeah. he does talk about like detaching from those emotions. Um, but I, I just, think um just trying to find a space and a time where you can just like let go of that mm -hmm. and just not let it find a home in your in your mind and um and that's hard i mean <laughs> that's hard for me there are so many things where i overthink or um i miss or i'm angry about or i hold a grudge about and being able to try to turn that around and just understand that, hey, either that's in the past, hey, there's nothing you can do to control that, hey, like this person, what they did to you, that's not who they are, it's something that happened, just like try to let go. And so um, I think a big part of that is if something something negative comes in because that's a lot of times that's the thoughts that we hold on to is right. the negative ones. Right. Um, I think trying to find a positive in that is what helps me at least to kind of move on. It's like, okay, how did, how did this person hurting me? How did that impact maybe my character or how I handled the situation or how I grew as a person um, instead of, oh, this person is terrible and they did this terrible thing to me um, and trying just to maybe look at it from a different point of view. Yeah. How does that equate to like when you're playing and you make a mistake out there? Yeah. I mean, that happens, that happens a lot. And I used to be one of those people. I mean, I'm a perfectionist and so I'm one of those people that's just super hard on myself. I'm my own worst critic. Um, and there is a man named Mike Lingenfelter, whom I believe you've had on, on here before and who you're close friends with. And um, we train all the time together. And he is one of those people that pushes me to my limits volleyball-wise. But then is that same person that reminds me when I'm being too hard on myself and when I need to show myself some grace and helps me to remember that you are not perfect and 
to correct, not condemn. That's the mm -hmm. biggest one for me is, okay, you just made a mistake. What can you do to fix it? And not get so down on yourself, but okay, this happened. Now we can move forward from it. Um, and so I think that's, that's what I have to continue to tell myself in my own head. And then when it comes to other teammates making mistakes, um, I think just like helping them through that, coaching them through that, yeah. seeing, seeing, saying what you see. And if there's something that maybe they're not seeing or something that they could fix that you see that maybe they don't understand, helping them um, figure that out and working, working through that, I think, and not leaving someone out on an island because they made a couple mistakes in a row, but um, letting them know, hey, man, we all make mistakes. Like, you're going to be fine. Get yeah. the next one. Why do you think it's easier to do that to a teammate than it, than it is to ourselves? Gosh. Because I think a lot of times, like, we would say things that we'd never say to anybody else, but we tell ourselves that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that is, like, that's the question of the century right there for me. Um, I don't know. I just... I know for me, I think because we have all this clutter and chatter going on in our heads, I think it's, we just get so caught up on the negative stuff and we don't, we don't let ourselves off the hook. Um, I don't really know why that is. It might go back to the perfectionist thing or I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah. I think a lot of times like in all these sports, we're playing still against ourselves, even though we have an opponent. Mm-hmm and we know everything about ourselves so right the good and the bad and, and the mm. ugly let me ask you a question so because obviously there are listeners here that aren't uh into volleyball not going to be a professional volleyball player when it comes to like real life or or even maybe if it is in the sport of volleyball that you've learned what's one thing that you think we need to know uh, or get better at when it comes to mental toughness um one thing I think that I've had to learn a lot recently and that you talked a lot about in your book um, is that it's it's about helping others um, and when we when we help others then we become better as well because they're helping us um, in return and so I think the biggest thing is um, just to know that no one gets there alone and we are all in this race together um, we are all fighting for um, what we want, what we believe in, um, but but I think it's important to know that um, that there are people that can help you through that and that um, there, there are always people that, that want to see you succeed and, and I think it's important then to, to recognize that and to do that in return. And so um, I think if it's finding one person that you can reach out to um, to help or to just ask about how their day is going, um, get out of your own head and, and find someone else that, that you can impact, I think is really huge. Very well said. Thank you. <laughs> Where can people follow you, follow your career and even learn more about you? Um, so let's see. Um, I mean, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and then our our team has a Facebook page. Um, it's VC, or it's one period VC Wiesbaden, and Wiesbaden is spelled W-I-E-S-B-A-D-E-N. Um, and I think 
I think our games will be live streamed. I'm not 100% for sure on that, but um, if they are, I think either they'll post it or I will post about it. Um, and then also it's kind of a goal of um, Munciana and then onto me that I start a blog um, that they're gonna put on their website. I'm not really sure how that's gonna look yet. It was just presented to me the other day, um, but I'm really excited about that mm -hmm. and um, kind of the potential that's there and just getting to talk more about life overseas, life of an athlete, um, and just kind of kind of the ways that different things have impacted me and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think that'll be a really neat way to kind of get more information out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put those links then on this, uh, on this page as well. Awesome. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.